Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today, I'm going to continue with chapter six of my book, Courage, How to Make This Life Count. Chapter six is entitled Courage and Money. But before we get into the program, I'd like to let you know about a mission planting happening in the summer of 2021. We're planting a church in Flagstaff, Arizona, and Pam and I are looking for people interested in leading that team. We're also looking for people that are interested in going there as members of the mission team. It's going to be an exciting, exciting mission planting. I'm so excited about it. I'm thrilled. And so if you're interested in that or know of someone who might be interested in that mission mission team to Flagstaff, Arizona, you can email me at Rob at tucsonchurchofchrist.org, or you can go to our website, tucsonchurchofchrist.org, and email me. I'd love to hear from you. Let's go ahead and get into chapter six of my book, Courage, How to Make This Life Count. Chapter six, Courage and Money. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration from the University of California, Berkeley. I intended to work as a buyer for Macy's or Nordstrom's, or one of the big box stores. My conversion to Christ messed all of that up. My campus minister approached me one day shortly before graduation. He asked me if I was interested in working as a part-time ministry intern for the summer. I was job hunting and hadn't landed a job yet. I thought I could try it for three months while interviewing for, quote-unquote, real jobs. My pay that summer was $400 per month. I supplemented my wages with a part-time job at a church member's farmer's insurance office answering phones. I loved my work in the ministry so much, I extended my part-time internship for another two years and chose it as a career. My family was shocked. My mom had told me not to follow her career path as a teacher because they don't get paid enough. When I told her I was considering becoming a minister, she cried. During the first two years as a part-time intern, my parents were in total denial. When their friends asked what I was doing with my business degree, they would answer them that I was working in insurance. Money was not the driver in my life at that time. It didn't bother me that the wages were low. I loved what I was doing and didn't care what I was missing. I prided myself on my lack of concern or desire for money. It just wasn't an issue at that stage of my life. When I got into my 40s, the pressure cooker years Money and greed became an issue. I had resigned from my ministry position in Boise, Idaho. I moved back to my hometown of Ashland, Oregon to start a church. I got my real estate license and began selling homes to support my family of five. I bought a house and dreamed of getting a boat and a motorcycle. One day in the summer of 2007, my wife and I were driving by Town & Country Chevrolet and I spotted some beautiful new Chevy Suburbans on the lot. I said, want to buy a car? Pam smiled and said, sure. Two hours later, we were driving out of the lot in a 2007 Chevy Suburban. Two months later, the housing market imploded, 
and for the next five years, we struggled through the Great Recession. Suddenly, money became an issue. We sold the car, we sold our house, we dumped our rental property, we cashed out our 403B retirement savings. I spent many nights waking up at 3 a.m. wondering how I was going to make it. I was a different man in 2012. When I got a call to plant a new church and to go back into the paid professional ministry again, I didn't have the same attitude toward money that I had 25 years earlier. I rejected the offer three times. Underneath all the surface objections, I was worried about money. I'd lost my entire savings, had gone deeply into debt, and finally, I was just seeing the glimmer of rising home sales. I knew that if I stayed doing what I was doing, I could recover my losses and become a wealthy man. I told myself I deserved it and that I owed it to myself and my family. Deep inside me, there was a desire to return to my original calling of full-time ministry, but fear was preventing me from making that decision. After much prayer and fasting, and after my wife staged a one-day sleep-in, in which she stayed in bed all day because she, she felt called to go back into the ministry, we accepted the offer and moved to Tucson, Arizona. Three years later, we were invited back to Ashland by the leaders of the church and asked to speak at the 10th anniversary of the church. Over the weekend, we dropped by a gender reveal party at one of the members' house. I bumped into one of my old real estate co-workers. At the time I left, this person was slightly ahead of me in sales, but I considered her a peer. She asked how I was doing and what I was doing. I told her I was in the Christian ministry in Arizona. I asked her how things were going with her in the real estate business. I wish I hadn't asked. Her eyes eyes opened wide and she said, Rob, it's amazing. Sales have never been better. I'm the number one agent in the county. I've already sold and closed 90 homes so far this year. At this point in the conversation, I kept nodding with my best fake smile and raised eyebrows. I pulled out my mental calculator and quickly multiplied 90 home sales times an average sales commission of nearly $9,000. I figured she had already pulled in about $800,000 and it was only halfway through the year. I tuned back into her recounting the sales award she had received. My voice broke high and wavery as I managed to squeak out, good for you. I limped off into a corner of the house and called up the person who had recruited me for my ministry job in Tucson and recounted the conversation. I told him this person I had once considered a peer was going to clear an easy $1 million this year alone. He could tell I was hurting and he said, Rob, each person you've saved in Tucson is worth more than a million dollars. I said, thanks but it came out more like a question than a statement. I'd never considered myself a person who struggled struggled with greed before this event. As as I listened to this woman drone on about her income, sales, awards, sales rank, etc., I thought to myself, this could have been me had I stayed. The scene reminded me of Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. 
I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that's made all the difference. I had chosen the road less traveled, traveled by and going into and then back into Christian ministry. But the self-pity I felt on that day came from the fact that I couldn't travel both and be one traveler. I couldn't make millions and, at the same time, devote myself full-time to the calling I had received from God. I couldn't serve both God and money. Each one of us has to choose our master. We have to answer the question, who's my daddy? There's a reason why Jesus warns us against the deceitfulness of wealth in Mark chapter 4, verse 19. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's so easy to lie to ourselves and rationalize how much we need to be happy, support our family, or retire comfortably. It sneaks up on you. We start our spiritual lives free from the love of money, but as time goes on, fear sets in and chokes out the commands and promises of God. We end up worried, barren, and burdened. The pursuit of wealth, luxury, and comfort often comes at the cost of our deepest dreams. One way to recover our confidence and contentment is to trust that God will take care of you. As he warns and promises, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I've experienced God's presence and providence personally through our decision to return to ministry. In the six months between the job offer and when we finally finally moved to Tucson, I was able to sell as many homes as I had the entire previous year. That enabled us to clear our debt. One of the best ways to demonstrate your trust in God's care is by tithing. As a minister, I know many people in the church who give very little or nothing at all to God through their offering. The reason is some variation on the theme of fear. Fear of the future, fear of not having enough, fear of not having enough saved for retirement. These are people who have excellent careers and plenty of money coming in. There are many formerly fired up Christians who've lost their earlier spiritual fire. They've tossed their dreams up in the attic along with the photo albums that need organization. If you have an ambition for God, don't let money be a barrier. Don't let the deceitfulness of wealth choke your dreams or obedience to God. Don't wait for your finances to be perfect. Don't wait to complete Dave Ramsey's seven baby steps. Accept your worst-case scenario up front. Yes, you might lose money. Yes, you might struggle. Yes, you may not hit your financial target. However, a spiritual ambition achieved is worth more than any financial goal. I've lost my entire retirement savings. What I worried about came to pass. But now, when I look back and remember the faces of those who came to faith, I can honestly say it was worth every penny. George Washington faced this challenge when called to serve first as General of the Continental Army and then as the first President of the United States. He struggled to get out of debt his entire life. He longed to return to his farm develop it, and repay the debts he'd accrued over many years of service to his country. He never achieved his dream of financial freedom. However, he did become one of the most significant men in the history of the United States. He made a choice of significance over security.
gut check. What dream are you deferring because of financial fear? Take the first step toward that dream today. I want to thank you for listening to Chapter 6 from my latest book, Courage, How to Make This Life Count. If you enjoyed it, you can buy it on Amazon. Just type in Rob Skinner and you'll find that as well as my first book for sale. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd like to ask you a favor. Please let your friends know. Let your family know. You can also email me with feedback or questions. I'd love to hear from you. Rob at TucsonChurchOfChrist.org My goal is to inspire you every time to make this life count, to live a no-regrets life, to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.